the fuck is wrong with you? Fucking drive, you stupid idiot. Fuck. Alright, so I'm stuck in traffic right now. This city is the stupidest, absolute stupidest in the world when it comes to drivers. And people just sit. They they don't do anything. Or they cut across from the left to the right. They'll cut across four lanes of traffic just to slow down everybody else so that they can get to their destination a little bit quicker. Well, they got me beat because I'm getting to my destination slower. Today, I wanted to talk about 10 things I've learned as a strength coach over the past two years. I wrote a blog post about it, so if you want to read more in depth uh, or just not listen to my fucking voice, go for it. I don't care. Uh, So first thing I learned is that you have to make yourself more open to work with a larger client base. Uh, If you want to make money in this industry, you have to work and you can't just sit around hoping that people are going to come to you. Uh, and, And so originally when I started out, I only wanted to work with higher-end baseball players, higher-end talent. And what I found is a couple things. First, that those people don't want to work with a rookie strength coach. Um, The second thing is that a lot of higher-end baseball players don't really give too much a shit about training. You know, they kind of, they, they go through their routine. Maybe they follow something from, uh, you know, something from what their college coach told them to do. You know, three sets of 10 on the bench, three sets of 10 on the squat. But they don't really get that far in depth. And they don't really care about training that much to begin with. They're just doing enough to get by. And their skill level is so advanced that it doesn't really matter what they do in the weight room or whatever they're going to be great baseball players regardless. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it comes down to you have to make money to survive in this career. Um, And, you know, I I obviously am going to do this my entire life. And uh, what I found lastly with that is I do really enjoy working with uh, the younger athlete or the up-and-coming athlete, the one that's not a finished product yet. I like working with them. It's a challenge, but you get them to believe in themselves and believe that hard work is going to make them better. And a lot of times they make big time improvements and it's really a gratifying feeling helping a kid go from 78 to 91 miles per hour or you know, get from running a, an eight flat 60 to a seven flat 60, stuff like that. Uh, second thing I've learned is that You have to be open and honest with parents when applicable. Certainly be honest with athletes. Um, So a quick story here. I had a parent give me 400 bucks a month or offer me 400 bucks a month to train his kid. 1,200 bucks for a whole summer to train his kid four to five times a week. And at the time I had like 50 bucks in my bank account and I said, fuck yeah, I'm going to do that. Like I'll train this kid all damn day if I'm going to get paid that, that type of money. Uh, but what I found out, um, is that the kid really didn't want to be there. He was kind of being forced by his dad to do this. And 
over time, I should have been more open and honest saying that this kid really doesn't want to train, the intensity isn't there, he's making up excuses to skip training sessions, and the first month was great, he made a lot of gains, second month the training frequency started to drop, you know, after those beginner gains, training starts to get much more intense, and the excuses started to pile up, oh, I got to go to a concert, oh, I can't make it, I'm at a friend's house, I can't do this, can't make it, I'm, I got a headache, stuff like that starts to add up, and then by August, it rolled around, and the kid only accumulated like four training sessions for the whole month, now, obviously, I didn't get paid for that month, but I should have been open and honest in the middle of the summer and said, hey, look, this is what's happening. This kid is, uh, you know, being a little, a little bitch about everything instead of, and you know, in, in, instead of that, maybe I was a bit afraid of confrontation. Maybe I was, you know, just, just happy to collect my $400 uh, for the month, whatever it was it led to the athlete not really achieving their goals or at least the parents goals so i feel like i didn't i didn't do a good enough job there and that can leave blemishes on your reputation as a strength and conditioning coach and you don't want that third thing i've learned is to never stop learning it's this is a an ever changing industry Strength and conditioning looks a lot different today than it did 15 years ago, especially in baseball. And if you're not keeping up with the times, if you're not reading on a daily basis, you're really being left behind, in my opinion. Um, There's a lot that I've learned over the past two years. Obviously, I studied a ton for the CSCS exam, read on a daily basis, and I, I forced myself to read then... And then over time, I began to crave reading, and I really, really do enjoy reading on on somewhat of a daily basis, whether it's uh, the work of Verkoshansky, Eric Cressy, Driveline, Max Schmarzo, whoever it may be, uh, Westside Barbell even. I'm I'm reading something on a day-to-day basis, and I do feel like it has been extremely beneficial to me as a strength coach. fourth thing I've learned is that you have to do social media right. I get it. Like everybody's on social media and I, I understand the allure of, of trying to show off and post a selfie or, you know, a shirtless selfie. Those are fucking brutal. Um, or, you know, sometimes like a gimmicky caption, but I, I, I think that not only are those eyewash and just nonsense, I think that they would lead to less credibility for you as a coach. For me, I plan out my content, even though I, I'll post something really goofy and stupid or I'll reply in a, in a humorous fashion to people sometimes, I do plan out my content and I try to make sure I post five, uh, five different you know, ways to train, five different exercise selections, different training philosophies, or I'll post 
five times throughout the month results of athletes that are working their asses off. Stuff like that is extremely crucial in my opinion to showing that you are a good strength coach and that you have things that are different from other people or similar to great uh, coaches out there. That really helps with, with building a reputation. Whereas shirtless selfies or just showing off, you know, oh, look at how much burpees I can do. Nonsense like that doesn't help at all. Come on, get in there. Jesus, this there's a truck with a 30-foot trailer on the back that is trying to cut across three lanes of traffic. That is that is something else. These these people are dumb. Anyway, uh, next thing I learned is that your time is precious and you can't waste it. Like I was just talking with social media, everyone's on it and I get the allure to post nonsense sometimes. I also get the allure to just scroll through your feed for minutes, half hour, whatever. And it it really, you know, you're wasting time, especially in the middle of a day when you could be getting a lot of work done, writing or, or even reading, studying, whatever it may be. For me, I'll post something on social media and I have a rule that I have to shut the phone off within the next two minutes. Um, If I don't, then I am wasting time. And don't get me wrong, like, I get it. Like, phone conversations, they're important sometimes. I have phone conversations with friends of mine for half hour sometimes when I'm just sitting in traffic or whatever and we'll be talking training. I feel like that time is very valuable. You know, whatever time I'm spending on the phone with somebody talking about training is very, very useful to my learning and to their learning and, you know, just connecting as a friend. But phone conversations can also be a a huge time sap. If you can send a text message that gets the same job done, you can send that in 30 seconds or a minute versus talking about something for 30 minutes that just winds up, you know, being useless talking and, you know, talking about bullshit about what you did over the weekend with, you know, some chick, that's not useful time. So, yeah, make sure you're using your time wisely. As traffic grows worse and worse, I enter my sixth thing I've learned. Treat every athlete you train like they're an MLB superstar. And I'm not saying like you blow smoke up their ass saying that they're really good at baseball. I mean, treat them with the same care that you would if you were training Cody Bellinger, Jose Altuve. Like, if that athlete walked into my door right now, he would get treated the same exact way that I train a 15-year-old. And, you know, the, the same level of care and respect and the understanding that you're a good player now, but you can be so much better after doing this and that all your hard work is going to pay off, that that's really, really huge, I think, for athletes that you're getting them to come back in the door. If you half-ass train somebody, they're not going to want to come back. 
they're gonna they're gonna take their money and go somewhere else. They want to feel special. Every athlete is a human being first. They are not an athlete. They are not a number. They are not a robot. And uh, I do feel like they they deserve the care and respect that you know that every every great player would get from you. Uh, number seven, you have to go by the book, but not really. Um, yeah, I I talked recently about studying for the CSCS exam and how important it is as a strength and conditioning coach to get CSCS certified, and and it, and it is important. Don't get me wrong, but I do feel like there's a lot from the NSCA that you get that really isn't. It's not that it's not applicable; it's that it's not optimal for all athletes. If you're a PT or a doctor, you have to go by the book because you're dealing with kids who have injuries and risky training maneuvers may not be uh, very beneficial for them. It may cause more harm than good. But when you're working with athletes, that especially ones that are healthy, the, the training modalities are much more open-ended. Everything that you do it should be geared towards the best results that you can get with that athlete. And I feel like if you stick only by what the book says and you say, okay, we are only going to do hang cleans and vertical jumps to build power. And we are only going to squat three sets of eight for hypertrophy, like stuff like that. It's, it's not always optimal for athletes, especially as they become more and more advanced. Yeah, on that topic, like Westside Conjugate Method is probably one of the most malleable and you know versatile and and best strength and conditioning methods out there. Uh, you know, with the dynamic effort method that relates really really well to athletes, and you know the max effort method that's great for absolute strength. And there's so many methods out there. German volume training is great for hypertrophy, but they don't really talk about that in the NSCA. And I think you need to understand that there are a lot of methods out there that are much more advanced than what they, the, the, you know, the simple ones that they uh, mention for the CSCS exam. Uh, number eight, make sure you find time to train yourself. You have to look the part as a strength and conditioning coach. And that doesn't mean that you have to be able to deadlift 500 pounds. You don't have to bench press 300 or anything crazy like that. But you do have to show that training is a big part of your life, and and that's you know part of the reason why you do it. You love to train; that's why you train others. And it's not always the case. I know that there are some extremely great coaches out there that they don't do jack shit for training. Um, but I do highly urge people to spend time training themselves. And use that as an opportunity to learn. That's uh, you know probably my biggest thing as a coach is I go through a velocity program and, and strength and conditioning program similar to that of what I train athletes and what I'm going to be training for athletes in the future. I'll do a lot of experimentation and things like that on myself, and I do think that that has a nice carryover to the learning that I do as a strength coach. Uh, ninth thing that I learned is that 
This is this should not be a quick way to make cash. Coaching to make a quick buck is the biggest load of bullshit on earth. You either love it or you don't. And if you don't, get out and don't coach somebody. There needs to be some sort of a long-term plan with athletes and if there isn't, you're doing them a disservice. And if you don't want to have that long-term plan with them, then you don't love doing this in the first place. So, I mean, that's it. it. It's a pretty obvious statement, but I did learn it over time by seeing other coaches around me who, you know, you can tell they're just doing this to make a quick 30, 40 bucks, throwing a kid BP, and they're just blowing smoke up their ass instead of giving them a, a real long-term plan to achieve some great goals. The last thing that I've learned um, is you have to be genuine as well as professional. Um, I'm a I'm I'm a naturally goofy person. Like I am a fucking idiot sometimes, but I do think that training sessions are fun. They're humorous, and that's that's my coaching style. Um, I wouldn't expect everybody to be that way. I do think that there is. There are some great coaches out there that are very serious. There are some out there that are very analytical. Whatever it may be, you have to find your style and it needs to be genuine. If it's fake, if you're putting on a show for an athlete, it's not going to be fun for you and they're going to see right through you. They're going to become disinterested over time and you're eventually going to lose more clients and, and probably wind up out of this industry faster than, than, than you would want. Um, so that's it. Um, I got to get out of the car now. I'm parking. Uh, hope you enjoyed this long ass podcast. If you didn't, uh, fuck off. Thanks.